platform for an in-depth look in economic matters with leaders and decision makers. This is BizTalk. Hello and welcome to this edition of Climate Talk. I'm Guanxing. And today we're going to talk about urban sustainability. How to make our cities more sustainable? What initiatives that the governments and businesses should put in place? To discuss these issues, we're very delighted to be joined by three distinguished guests. Zhu Xian, Vice President and Secretary General of IFF. Well, thank you for joining us. Good to see you again. And Will Simons, Asia-Pacific Climate and Sustainability Leader of Deloitte. Well, thank you for your time today. And Catherine Shon, CBRE China Executive Director and Head of Project Management. Well, thank you so much for coming to our yeah. studio today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Every year, global cities swell in size. The UN says that as of 2020, more than 3.9 billion of the world's people lived in cities. The UN predicts that two out of every three people will likely be living in cities or other urban centers by 2050. Well, to start with, Mr. Zhu, would you please help us understand the importance of urban sustainability? What role does it play in the pursuit of a sustainable future? I think urbanization is a global trend. If we say in this world, in the global economies, there are a lot of uh, uncertainties. But I can say one thing without uncertainties, the global trend of urbanization. So we have to address the challenges and also the issues along with the urbanization. So sustainability is critical. But I must say at the very beginning, we also need to get right the interpretation of sustainability. It's mm -hmm. right to say sustainability mostly focusing on environmental, ecosystem, etc., etc. At the same time, I think that, uh, that uh, sustainability is multi-dimensional. Right. Also should include the financial aspect because mm -hmm. without the financial viability, urbanization, sustainable urbanization cannot really be viable. And also if we look at uh, the sustainability issue on urban side, we must say that positively healthy, sustainable urban development can be an important engine of global growth. And the China's experience has proven that's probably the right direction for other countries, particularly emerging and developing countries. On the other hand, the challenges can be the degradation of environment and the depletion of natural resources. And also the poverty can be turned from rural poverty into urban poverty. And also we need to have a really good strategy, urban planning, government role and also importantly and for the emerging market development countries we need to see the opportunities particularly for low-income group and for the poor people so that migration included and so that urban by urban dimension can be a very dynamic and sustainable the other thing is the government probably need to really work together with the private sector provide an incentive and also encourage the private sector in doing their economic activities to follow um, as much as possible SDG practices. The UN General Assembly adopted its 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development in September 2015. The agenda includes 17 Sustainable Development Goals. Developing sustainable cities and communities ranks 11th among the 17 goals. The SDGs emphasize a holistic approach to achieving sustainable development for the entire world. So, Will, what do you think about the dimensions of sustainability? What does sustainability uh, entail when it comes to urban development? Cities are, are, are built for people. They're built for people to live in and, and to work in and play in. 
uh, and connect in. And, and so what do people want? Well, people want to live in livable cities. They want to be able to connect with people. They want productive spaces. They want to be protected from harm. And so ensuring that these needs and wants are met is to me what sustainable urbanism is all about and doing that in a way that um, both doesn't impact on the environment but also helps to regenerate the environment. Um, and so this means building our cities so that they're efficient, they're energy efficient, they're water efficient, and they minimise the need for artificial heating and cooling and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and provide people with access to green spaces. Um, people have an inbuilt need to connect with each other. And so we need to design that into our cities, design in the ability to make human connections. And then finally, of course, people need to be kept safe. And this is particularly important in the context of climate change um, and increasing disruptions from extreme weather events. And we know that in particular, urban heat is a big issue across Asia and in China. Um, and so we need to design our cities to be cool. And, and importantly, and as Mr. Zhu mentioned, um, we need to focus on those most vulnerable and, and, and keep them safe from harm. But, but in, interestingly and importantly, I think one of the greatest competitive tensions around the world at the moment is between cities in attracting the best and brightest. And the best and brightest want to work in livable cities that are comfortable, that enable them to connect, that are cool, that are safe, um, and that have the sorts of services um, that, they, that they want. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. And talking about putting people first, Catherine, uh, have you noticed any changes in the mindset of real estate investors or occupiers? Yeah. Um, definitely, you know, globally, energy needed to cool and heat and uh, light, you know, buildings, that really accounts for 28% of uh, total uh, carbon emissions um, globally. Mm -hmm. In addition, materials and construction, construction processes generate another for uh, another 11%. So the pressure is growing on the building owners and investors and operators and occupants to uh, reduce their carbon uh, footprints. So many investors have already included um, carbon neutrality objectives you know, within their investment strategy with specific timeline. CBRE global investor you know, with 129 billion USD assets you know, and management has already committed to uh, carbon neutral by 2040. Mm -hmm. So we recently received an inquiry you know, from a global real estate investor uh, for due diligence services. Mm -hmm. And for you know when they acquire you know, global um, portfolio real estate portfolio, so uh, traditionally due diligence in services only cover the technical part. So which covers you know building envelopes, you know building um, appearance, structure conditions, um, and also existing conditions of other uh, building uh, building uh, systems, including mechanical, electrical, and plumbing. But this time they have included lengthy scope. Mm -hmm. um, to conduct um, sustainability, sustainability assessment as well as you know, smart assessment on the target assets you know, to evaluate environmental um, performance as well as you know, suggest an improvement plan to make you know, those buildings meet green certifications and uh, improve their carbon uh, emission targets. Mm -hmm. So from the occupier perspective, I think you know, um, 
Mr. Simon mentioned about micro in cities, but also in from occupiers, you know, they're talking about working environment. Mm -hmm. So it, they, uh, it is, you know, the willingness to adopt the changes and also adopt inter uh, in industry leading um, best practices. So in all our firm offices, new offices, we have reduced our carbon footprint for about, you know, 65,000 square meters. Mr. Simon mentioned city, you know, how the city can be sustainable to attract, you know, talents. Same with is the workspace reduced operation costs um, and reduced uh, their carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. oh, good to see so many changes. Yeah. Coming up next, urban settlements in developing countries are at the greatest risk from overcrowding and environmental degradation. How to manage urban growth and ensure that everyone has equal access to city services. The developing world has the vast majority of the most vulnerable people to environmental pollution and to the impacts of climate change. We are seeing urbanization without industrialization. Important and adequate employment opportunity right. for the young labor forces. There are some globally recognized certification in a system that can help sustainability development in those developing countries, such as LEED is a, uh, the most probably influential one globally. Welcome to My Stories of Chinese Characters, Season 2. I'm Uncle Han Zi. This season, we will travel to different destinations and experience the different sceneries throughout the year. This season, we will taste delicious foods. Delicious, how sure. Feel the delicacy of Chinese silk. Uh, some people say that this is the world's first computer because each one of these is an instruction. And enjoy the local architectures. Yes, it's a big house. Chuanzhou's Wu We will feel a sense of camaraderie on the slow train. And feel the excitement of the snowfields. Yes! 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 I'm Uncle Han Zi. This season, we will take you to see a different China from the perspective of Chinese characters. Meet us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast platforms, or on our website, radio.cgtn.com. The UN predicts that over 1 billion people will live in 100 megacities by 2030 due to rapid urbanization. However, the World Bank warns that large cities in many developing countries now face excessively high population levels. Alleviating the urban population strain in developing countries requires equality in services and protection of the natural environment. International cooperation is also needed for planned urbanization. Mr. Zhuo, we know that Asia and Africa are going to have a tough time addressing the challenge between maintaining economic growth while creating sustainable, livable cities for all, uh, as these two continents would see 90% of urban growth in the next 30 years. Do, you, do they have any advantages to leverage to achieve that goal? Well, I think that uh, you are right, particularly for the low-income emerging developing countries, urbanization probably will be a central issue for their future development. They still have a quite of uh, advantages, I must say. First, if you look at uh, world economies, and uh, mostly the, they have uh, adequate young labor forces, so for potential development of infrastructure and also labor-intensive industries. 
I think these countries really have a, a relatively comparable advantages. The other things that they can turn the lessons learned through the urbanization process by advanced countries, by the up and the mid-income countries, so that eventually they will not really um, experience those, uh, I would say, negative experiences. But mm -hmm. of course, as you said, the challenge for them, A, they probably have relatively weak government capacity to provide urban planning, public services, and also importantly, they lack the public financial resources for urbanization. Mm -hmm. So I think that the globally, international community should help these countries. So eventually urbanization in these countries can be made more positively rather than negatively. So that eventually that they will go along with other countries in the urbanization. So Mr. Simons, what do you think about the challenges facing developing countries to find a sustainable solution to urbanization? Developing countries both have the most to gain from sustainable urbanization uh, and, and also the most to lose uh, from not following that path. Uh, and this is because um, the developing world has the vast majority of the most vulnerable people. The primary challenge, and, um, and which has already been mentioned, is, is good and effective governance. Um, this, is, this always needs to be the starting point. So ensuring that resource allocation is efficient, that policies and programs are conceived properly and delivered efficiently, that outcomes are delivered as promised, that there's transparency in outcomes, etc. And so without good governance, it's really difficult to deliver sustainable urbanisation. But I'd also say that capacity is a key issue. Um, th these are not simple issues. And although capacity is increasing rapidly in the developing world, ensuring that countries have the skills and knowledge to deliver sustainable urbanisation. Cities are going down similar pathways, reinventing the wheel, learning the same hard lessons that their peers have already learnt. And so providing forums to collaborate, to convene, to share, to build trust will help us accelerate forwards together, avoid costly errors and deliver better outcomes for people. Mm -hmm. Um, so, Catherine, your thoughts on that? Do you think uh, developing countries are facing uh, a bigger challenge to provide such as the good effect of governance and other uh, issues? So, actually, the what standards that um, developing countries should adopt shall be decided by uh, actual conditions of each individual country. But there are some globally recognized, recognized um, certification in the system that can help um, sustainability development in those developing countries, such as LEED mm -hmm. and WELL. So LEED, L-E-E-D, mm -hmm. um, stands for Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design, um, mm -hmm. is a, uh, the most probably influential one globally. Mm -hmm. And uh, it provides practical and uh, quantifiable rating system for green solutions, green and sustainable solutions. So it also covers cities and communities uh, as well as in buildings and uh, interior spaces. So U.S. Green Building uh, Council rolled out uh, LEED uh, cities and uh, LEED community certification in 2016. So as of today, there are already 205 certified projects globally, and China has 28 projects certified under the categories of uh, LEED cities and uh, LEED communities, uh, which is Daxing Airport, Mm -hmm. and uh, Universal Studio. Mm -hmm. oh, oh. So that can be referenced, you know, mm -hmm. uh, when they, you know, especially developing or uh, developed country 
when they mm -hmm. you know, the for sustainable development. But what about financial resources? Is it expensive to, uh, to adopt these standards? Um, really depends. Mm -hmm. So it's um, so it's as I mentioned. So every country, every you know, every city has its own um, different situation. So that would be depending on their own situation when you decide how much you can adopt mm -hmm. or how many um, standards you can adopt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Coming up next, congested housing and traffic and degraded environmental conditions are prevalent in the cities experiencing fast urban growth. City planners must play a leading role in addressing the problems. The primary challenge, and, um, and which has already been mentioned, is good and effective governance. This always needs to be the starting point. The government problem needs to really work together with the private sector, provide an incentive and also encourage the private sector in doing their economic activities to follow as much as possible SDG practices. The green, healthy and the lower energy consumption have become the evaluation criteria for land competition concepts. So all these concepts are pushing or motivating the developers and investors to increase their green capabilities. Sideline Story brings you all things sports related. The hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story Podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the world. The constant urbanization complicates every attempt at a planning for sustainability in the cities. Enhancing the sustainability of cities requires a set of policymaking and capacity building from city planners, civil society representatives, and governance leaders. Technologies like big data and Internet of Things are also needed to implement individual responses to the challenges of environmental protection in urban growth. Mr. Zhu, what role should the government, private sector and other uh, civil society groups play in promoting sustainable urban environment? Are there enough incentives to do that? The most important thing is the government can provide the enabling environment for the private sector, for citizens, for others really to uh, function as well as uh, others. I think that uh, that may include, I think that for me, first the uh, government should have uh, capacity for advanced urban planning because urban development is not something you rely entirely on market forces and also government should have very strong regulations and also provide good public services such as education health mm -hmm. and social safety etc and then i think that three parts uh, government private sector and also civil society can go hand in hand, really push for the healthy and sustainable urbanization. Mm -hmm. And well, what are the keys to promoting sustainable urban development? Do you think uh, the government, for example, uh, have, they, have they done enough to provide enough incentives for the uh, private sector? The reason for this is that the way that cities run and deliver services for residents is through a, a, a very complex mix of private, public and civil society actors. And so if you think about who runs the mass rapid transit system, um, who delivers energy and water and waste services, um, who runs schools, um, et cetera, uh, it's, it varies city by city and country by country, but um, it will, it, it's always a, a really complex mix. I've done a lot of work on sustainable cities and resilient cities around the region, and we did an, a, an evaluation of, uh, of Sydney and how many 
different actors it takes to run Sydney, and it was over 100 separate organisations. And so the reason why it's so important that government leads and provides mm -hmm. a consistent set of policies and rules and strategic planning is because it enables those organisations to line up behind that. And then the other thing I'd say is data. Mm. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about smart cities and, and that right. means many different things to different people. But data is, is critical and, and with the emerging Internet of Things enabling uh, validation and verification, mm -hmm. um, adjustments, helping learning, driving engagement and citizen engagement in how cities work, matching supply and demand, etc., um, uh, it, it is also really important. And, and I think we have the, the capacity to use technology far better than we currently do to deliver better outcomes for, for people and cities. The National Bureau of Statistics of China reports that 64% of China's total population lived in urban areas as of 2020. That's thanks to China's efforts in promoting urbanization over the past decades. China is working to promote nature positive in urban neutral cities and to ensure that its cities will be the growth drivers of the future. Now let's talk more about China's urbanization drive. The rapid pace and unprecedented scale of urbanization is reshaping China's physical environment, creating opportunities and challenges for China's sustainable development. So Mr. Drew, China is building megacities such as the Greater Bay Area, merging 11 cities in the Pearl River Delta. What should be taken into consideration in ensuring a sustainable urban environment? Uh, indeed, I think you know, what happened in China, particularly as you mentioned, the, the development of mega cities, uh, not only in Great Bay areas, but mm -hmm. also in the Yangtze River Delta areas and also Beijing Tianjin areas. I think that probably can provide important engine for economic sustainable and uh, growth in China in the next decade, if and beyond. So eventually the movement of people, financial resources, and also the natural resources can be made as free as possible mm -hmm. along these cities. That really can promote productivity, innovation, and also the growth. And uh, well, in your opinion, are there some advantages that China can leverage? Absolutely. I mean, China's got a, a healthy and thriving tech sector, provide those services for citizens, but to also ensure that they're provided in a way that's um, that's uh, highly sustainable. I'd also say that um, China is already exporting sustainable cities to the world. Uh, I mean, there's there's a reason why um, myself and many of my neighbours have solar panels on our roofs. Um, there are natural advantages that China can continue to leverage, but also provide and export sustainability to the world. Mm -hmm. So, Catherine, how does commercial real estate sector fit into China's carbon neutrality goal? Mm -hmm. So, actually, in 2020, seven ministries and commissions directly under the State Council um, published an action plan for a green building creation, mm -hmm. requiring the green building that would take up shall take up 70 percent of new, you know, and new new built areas mm -hmm. um, by the year of 2022. So, mm -hmm. which is this year. Um, so it has also been seen in the local you know, land markets that, uh, of exactly for, especially for the first-tier cities, that the green, healthy, and the lower um, uh, energy consumption have become the evaluation criteria for land competition uh, concepts. 
So all these concepts are pushing or motivating the developers and the investor, investors to adopt green uh, or increase their green capabilities. So from Occupy's uh, perspective, ESG, environmental, social, and governance has become the major focus you know, for the corporation, large and small. So more and more tenants, uh, tenants are in, ha, have included in green buildings into their ESG um, plan, as well as their real estate strategy. So during the annual uh, occupier's sentiment survey, uh, CBRE has found that the number of the tenants who would choose green buildings has risen from 52% in 2020 up to 93% in 2021. So that's within one year. So there's a big jump. Jump. They want to contribute, you know, to uh, achieve that uh, carbon peak and carbon neutrality goal mm -hmm. in China. So what opportunities have been created by urban renewal? Um, and in China, the existing building stocks already exceeds 80 billion square meters. Eight zero billion. billion. Yeah, 80 mm -hmm. billion. Yeah, square meters. So um, less than 10% of those. Um, have received uh, green certification, uh -huh. so it's really, really so. They those buildings are still uh, creating you know, high um, and uh, high energy consumption, high pollutions, and high carbon emissions. So they all need some uh, yes. renewal. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. So to uh, upgrading all these existing facilities to increase their green conditions will be important mm -hmm. to um, increase you know. In, um, overall kind of uh, energy performance and reduced costs. Mm -hmm. So we recently completed a hotel project, a very premium hotel. So before the renovation, the hotel was in the operation for 30 years, really up with all the major building systems crying for improvements. Mm -hmm. So after the innovation, uh, the reduction in electricity alone, uh, you know, is about 35%. 35% yeah, how? So, so that will be, I'll, I'll talk about you know, how we <laughs> achieve that, yeah. Mm. So that will be equivalent to about 1.5 tons in carbon reduction mm -hmm. or a day or 55, you know, 550 you know, uh, tons in a year. One more question for uh, Mr. Zhu. I'd like to hear your opinion on the inclusive development of China's uh, urbanization. How can China provide more opportunities for the uh, lower income people uh, who moved from rural areas to urban areas, how, how to provide equal uh, playing field for them, how, how to uh, better take care of their livelihood in the process of urbanization. Indeed, I think that you raised a very important issue for urbanization and probably also the generated prosperity should be shared mm -hmm. even more equally in the future. Mm -hmm. I think one thing I think the decision makers is considering but probably need to accelerate the process how to provide the services to those migrants, particularly mm -hmm. from rural areas who have been in the urban areas for a long time but who may not receive the same public services, education, health, as those already in the cities. Mm -hmm. If really I think that we can do that in the next decade Really, that as you said, we can um, improve the inclusive, uh, you know, urbanization in China. Well, thank you very much, and uh, thank you all for your insights. And Julian, Vice President and General uh, Secretary General of IFF, Will Simons, Asia Pacific Climate and Sustainability Leader of Deloitte, and Catherine Shou, CBRE China Executive Director and Head of Project Management. And that's all for this edition of Climate Talk. Thanks for being with us. Until next time, bye for now.